When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom Torsky back in for Patrick Royce on the ride with Royce. And it's me and Manny Hill holding down the fort here. Yes, sir. Final hour. Final hour. Uh, it's been, it's been, it's been good. It's been fun. And uh, as long as they keep asking, I'll keep poking my head in here and uh, we like having you in trying Tommy. to, trying to find my way a little bit. Um, so Christmas day is all about the NBA. They own, yes, they own Christmas day. It seems like they've made an agreement with, the NHL and the the NHL gets to have New Year's Day, yep, and the uh, and the Winter Classic, and and NBA gets Christmas Day because um, all day long there were games. Were you able to watch them? Yeah, I watched quite a few. I certainly watched uh, the Cavs and Warriors yesterday. I mean, the rematch of the last three NBA Finals, which yeah. is uh, amazing, and they could be on a collision course for uh, meeting for a fourth straight year in the finals. Who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's some people that don't um, that hate the fact that there really are any sports on Christmas Day. But I, as an NBA guy, I I love that they play games on Christmas Day. I I think maybe they probably play too many. It, I'd, I'd be fine with two two games, maybe a third game um, into the evening on Christmas Day. But um, I I. I'm biased because I'm an NBA guy. I love basketball, so yeah. I, I have no problem sitting down and with the family and watching uh, watching basketball during the day. Well, I don't. People shouldn't feel that way. I mean, I guess yeah, it's a it's a somewhat of a a, a sacred holiday, if you will. But um, hey, you don't have to turn on the TV. That's true. Um, and if your if your significant other or your your relatives want to do it and you don't, I can see where watching sports that is uh that you know see, i can see where it's kind of maybe irritating but uh come on it's it's become a pastime if yeah. if if christmas was in uh july we'd watch baseball i mean come on that's true we'll see and i'm lucky because i i have a girlfriend who played basketball in high school and she loves sports just as much as i well do played so by we you. can yeah so we can sit down and watch basketball you know anytime it's on really i mean she likes a lot of things that i don't particularly enjoy and vice versa too but uh, when it comes to like basketball and whatnot, she she loves it. And what did you think? Uh, so the the Cavs and and Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Uh, any any takes on that game? Well, I it, it was interesting. Are, like, are you a fan of one of those teams? I mean, you're near a Timberwolves. Not, guy, not really sure. a fan. I mean, I, I like Which LeBron one do you like James. Better? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess if if there's a rooting interest, I guess I would probably lean Cavs more just because I like, like I like LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. Um, 
But I like Steph Curry too. But Steph was out because he he's he's got the ankle situation going on. But he was just, cheering him on from right behind the. He bench. was, and every time somebody hit a three, he he sort of did yeah. the the three the three goggles thing, and um, which is yeah, he's pretty pretty entertaining. He's quite the character. But it it was it was a good game, and uh, Kevin Love uh, played really well for the Cavaliers. LeBron kind of had an off an off day, but um, yeah, it was it was a fun game with two teams that. Have been playing each other a lot the last uh, couple of years when meeting in the finals three years in a row. Um, so that was that was good. And there were some other good games. Boston and the and the Wizards played a really good game uh, in Boston yesterday yeah. as well. And the uh, Thunder and Rockets. And then uh, our Timberwolves capped off the evening with uh, with a win against the uh, the yeah. LA Lakers. Lakers were night. Lakers were hurting a little bit. Yeah, they were missing Lonzo Ball. They were missing uh, Brandon Ingram, two of their young uh, up and coming stars. And uh, so the Wolves did a nice job taking advantage of it and uh, getting a getting a win. Yeah, they played well, uh, and you know I think there's there's talk of this uh, team. You know, I guess still having episodes that are are curious or yeah. leave people as want, wanting more or wondering why. But uh, then there's other times that they seem to be coming together. Yeah. And what on that note, what do you? What do you think has to happen for the team to come together can even more or continue to do so? Well, I, I they have so many new players with Taj and Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague and Jamal Crawford and all these. They have so many new players that when you put that all together at once, it takes it takes some time to sort of for all these guys to get used to each other and to gel. Um, but I think the biggest key for them, and and I don't know if Tom Thibodeau is gonna do this or not because it's never really been his coaching style is I would like to see them pick up the pace a little bit yeah. on offense because I think it would help some of the guys that are struggling particularly Andrew Wiggins who's really been struggling the last month he just really has not his his scoring just has not been not been good and I think part of it is just because they play such a slow pace offensively that he sort of can just sort of fade off and not really be as engaged on that end of the okay. floor as he should be and it's it's always kind of been like that with him, even going back to his days, his college days at Kansas. So speeding it up, I'm assuming uh, um, it's harder to defend, right? If you slow things down, sure. now the the opponent can get set up, or or yeah. why is speeding it up going to help his game? Is that how he likes to play? I think so, and and he's such a good athlete that yeah. I, I think when you put him in a situation where he just he just goes instead yeah. of you know. You're yes. running all these slow offensive sets, and now he's thinking. And... He's he's thinking too much, and he's just like, okay, well, Jimmy Butler's got the ball there on the other side, so I'll just sit and wait for wait, him to do whatever he wants. But if they're playing an up tempo style, they're moving that ball quickly. Yep, he can just get that ball right away and just go, and he doesn't have to think too much. Right, and I think it'll make him a more effective player. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, going back to his coaching days at Chicago, they were never really a high paced fast moving team right. so it hasn't been the case here either that's yeah that's like a in, in the hockey world that would be a coach that's more probably defensive minded really yeah. really that's tom thibodeau he's and, defensive and minded de- yeah. well and defense wins championships you know in theory probably in 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 uh in every sport you could make the argument but and the wolves uh, have to get better defensively too i mean they've their, their defense has really been it's looked okay in spurts this yeah. year, but they haven't been able to consistently put together. There, there have been some nights where it's been really, really bad. Well, and it's, <laughs> that's you know what? That's not a really a skill. It's a mindset. It's a yeah. commitment, and it can be hard to get really offensive players, offensive-minded guys, yep. to want to play defense. It's not a lot of fun, no matter what sport you're in. Yep. 
but it produces results. And obviously in the, in the perfect world, you, you get, you learn to do both. And that's, you know, maybe that's what you're looking at when you see championship teams like golden state, you know, or the Cavs. they, they can do both. And they've, you got to get those offensive guys to buy in and, and commit to playing on the right side of the ball and, and being defensive when, when they don't have the ball um, as a payoff to get to go and, and uh, run the court and play offense. So, um, it's it's not like any other sport, but it 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 takes a commitment. It's not really a skill. You need to work at it, and the team yeah. and collectively the group, especially in basketball. I, I mean, similar to hockey, you got five guys and you're defending a goal, and you know you have to commit to it and, and have to have some good chemistry with your with your teammates on the floor. But uh, they just they'll just have to. And that's Tebow. He's just going to have to get them to buy in, and yeah. it's not hard to teach either. It's, I don't think it's not. And I think them having Jimmy Butler because that's. He said in an interview after a game uh, last week that he just loves defense. He just eats it up for breakfast, and he's a good offensive player. He can score. He's averaging about 20 points a game for him, but he is Tom Thibodeau traded for him to bring in some of that defensive toughness right. to uh, to sort of hope that can you know spew off wear onto, off. onto yeah, wear, wear off, off on onto Wiggins guys. and Towns and some of those guys. But uh, it's kind of progressing but i think everybody involved rather it's the coaching staff and the players and the fans want to see it sort of be expedited a little bit they want to see the improvement from towns and wiggins especially defensively to kind of pick up the pace a little bit in terms of just getting better defensively and towns is getting a little bit better wiggins is getting a little bit better but uh if they're going to make some noise in the playoffs it's got to be really really good yeah well Obviously, for for me, uh, starting to pay closer attention, they they do have they do have some good pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, and and they're evolving hopefully uh, in in the right direction. Sounds like they just have to buy into defense, and and they'll have the offensive tools, and then maybe pick up the pace, like you said, get get going, yeah. uh, get going a little faster. And that's a good brand of basketball too. And and yeah. in my opinion, I you know, on that team side and just quickly back to Golden State, if there's if there's one thing that I recognize watching, you know, and I was part of a Stanley Cup team and uh it's it's when the the coach has built uh, you know, has built in a culture, developed a culture. With those guys, you can see how talented um, you know, maybe both those teams are that the Cavs and Golden State or yeah. Houston, but they've got really, really good marquee players, but they all seem to be pulling for each other battling for each other, playing defense for each other. They don't really care who gets the credit. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, when you win a championship, everyone gets the credit, right? All all boats rise with the tide, and um, that's a mindset that would probably maybe help out our local basketball team. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of the Warriors is that they go and sign Kevin Durant, who's the second-best player right. on the planet, and they just he fits in perfectly because Steve Kerr just has this way of just teaching yep. everybody to just – Share the ball. Nobody is above anybody else, and uh, it led them to a to a championship. I mean, obviously the talent is there. They have the most talent probably in the league, but yeah. for them to come together and just buy into each other as a team and to win the title last year, that that's what you want to be. Yeah. Well, when in New Jersey, we didn't. We had Jacques Lemaire and, and Larry Robinson, two Hall of Fame yeah. hockey players, and they had won multiple multiple cups like six eight ten and we didn't you know i i I liked the system right away defensive we had this and we had this red line that still existed so we could take advantage of teams had to get to the red line to dump it in now they've and even make a pass over two lines oh yeah Um, but so we took advantage of the rules back then but at first not everyone liked this defensive system 
you know, we had a checking line that afforded me to be on the ice a lot more. So we would shut down the other team's top line mm. while my teammates were grousing on the bench saying, you know, why are those three guys? They're, they're not even our best players. I can go out and do that. And so at first there wasn't a lot of buy-in like we're talking about from maybe marquee or star players. But as we started winning more, and then certainly when you get in the playoffs and the formula's working, the yeah. closer we got to the Stanley Cup, the more everyone said, you know, it's huh, sort of like, this is yeah, kind of working. This might work for me. <laughs> we and, can win a cup. Well, we can win a cup. And all of yeah. a sudden, you know, it's the old saying, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, we got closer and we had to stay in hotels 24 seven and guys mm. didn't like that either. But again, as we progressed and it seemed to be working, the formula was working. We didn't have distractions. We were playing a certain system and we were close to, we were getting very close to getting to the cup finals. Mm-hmm. Everyone bought in. So if, uh, if teams can figure that out and buy into a program and not care who gets the credit, um, I think that's, uh, that's the formula to, to get into a championship season. All We're right. going to take a break here, Manny. When we come back, we are talking with Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune for Talking we Purple. We're talking more purple. Back in a minute. Talking Purple right now on the ride with Royce. Ben Gessling covers the Vikings. Here with Ben Gessling. Ben Gessling joining us now. It's Viking Star Tribune beat writer Ben Gessling. Ben Gessling joins us on the ride with Royce. He normally joins us on Mondays, but of course, yesterday being Christmas, uh, we're doing a little bit of a makeup appearance for Ben today. Appreciate it, Ben, uh, you being on with us today. Um, so what are your takebacks from Saturday? It, it wasn't it wasn't pretty for the Vikings, but they, they go into Green Bay in, in those chilly conditions, and it just seemed like Mike Zimmer just wanted to get in and get out with a victory and uh, just sort of take care of business against an undermanned Packer team. Yeah, he did, and I guess you give him credit for that because, I mean, it's it's very easy in some of those games to play down to the level of your opponent. We don't see them do that very much, and I think that is a credit to the approach that they take. I mean, I think it starts with Mike Zimmer, but I, I think players have adopted that. I mean, you, you just don't see them come out against teams that are either bad or, or disinterested very often and let them hang around. I mean, they, they have had their moments where they could be better at finishing games, but – they got ahead early. They didn't. Their defense didn't break. I mean, you just, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you don't see those lapses that allow teams to put together a drive that may put them back in a game that they probably shouldn't be in. And that's why you see have seen them take care of those games this year. And I, I would expect they'll do it again on Sunday. But I mean, that was really the thing to me that impressed me the most. I mean, that's that's not the easiest situation to go in there when it's that cold. Yes, the Packers didn't have anything to play for, but is a rivalry game, it's national TV, and you know they, they basically took the life out of it with their defense and, and uh, got the reward for it. They lose uh, Nick Easton to a fractured ankle, and I know with, with the depth that they've had on the offensive line this year, it's, it's easy at first glance to just say, oh, okay, well, you just put Jeremiah Searles in there and they'll, they'll be okay. And, and, you know, Searles did a nice job, but how much of a loss is this with, uh, with Nick Easton there at left guard? Well, I think it is certainly a loss on a couple of fronts. I mean, number one, I think Nick Easton, I mean, he's had moments this year where he's looked like a guy that's starting in that position for the first time, which he is, but he has helped, I think, with that screen game. Mike Zimmer talked about that earlier this week in the sense that you have been able to get him out and get him out in space and out in front of running backs. I mean, that's that's a big part of the reason they ended up deciding Alex Boone wasn't going to be their guy anymore. They didn't yeah. feel like he was athletic enough to do what they wanted to do and they thought Nick Easton could handle it. So uh, the fact that they were able to get that from him, I don't know that you'll get 
quite as much of that from Jeremiah Searles. He's he's not quite as as good at getting out in space. But uh, and the other the other front is that Jeremiah Searles is a pretty valuable backup. I mean, he's a guy that plays guard. He kind of plays tackle. Uh, he can play center. I mean, from what I've been told this year, he's basically the first guy up anytime anybody goes down. So now that you don't have him, you you do have to juggle a little bit if if you have somebody else get hurt. I mean, if you have a tackle go down, you still have Rashad Hill, but beyond that, there's nobody really that has any experience. So as valuable as Searles is as a backup, I think on that front, it may hurt almost as much as not having Easton in the lineup. Hey, Ben, it's Tom Chorsky uh, sitting in for Patrick today. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Tom. Thanks. Hey, um, saw this article about uh, Weatherly in the uh, Strib and reminded, so he's a talented guy, right? And, and I, I glanced through the story and I played with some hockey players that, you know, you think were lunkheads and, and uh, you know, pretty pretty uh cavemanish and they had some interesting mm-hmm. talents but talk a little bit about that story and and kind of what what your thoughts are about him yeah so i mean Stephen weatherly is a guy that i've wanted to write about for a while and you know kind of knew a little bit of his backstory that he played so many different instruments and uh that his his grandmother had taken classes at mit and harvard and have you know kind of been looking for a way to to get into this for a while and so you know went to him a couple of weeks ago and said hey you know We'd love to do a story on you. Would you be up for meeting up at a music store to, you know, so we can shoot some video of you playing different instruments and sit down and chat there? So he and I talked that day for probably 45 minutes. Uh, in addition to the other stuff, they, they actually the owner of, of Growth Music in Bloomington was the guy that designed the first Gallerhorn, a metrodome. So he brought that in, and you can see Stephen playing that for a couple seconds in the video. That was kind of cool to to see that and see how that was all constructed, but. Uh, in the in my conversation with him, I think we probably talked about football for two or three minutes of the forty five minutes we talked. I mean, you know, a guy that that uh, had a lot to say about everything from um, racism in the South to uh, being in a, an abusive relationship to his dad not being around to you know how he overcame all that. I mean, he was a captain of his high school robotics team. He was a guy that played all these instruments. He's been involved in, in leadership councils that have taken him to Germany in high school. I mean, just a, you know, a guy that has done a lot of different things and, and put his mind to excelling in a lot of different things, and even now is is pretty involved in a lot of different things. He's got you know, a couple of the young dogs at home that he uh, is is kind of training in an apartment. He's a, he's into in mining Bitcoin. I mean, he's he's just got a very interesting set of of hobbies away from football, and obviously a very Smart guy, uh, very interesting guy that um, man, I've been wanting to write about for a while. But the, the interesting thing to me too was just how many people in his life, from his mom to his grandma to his his t-ball coach, really stepped in and and helped him turn into the man that he is. And uh, was, it was really a lot of fun to put that story together. Fascinating. Thanks. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting, Ben, because it it's interesting that that story comes about now that that you uh, wrote the piece on because it just makes me think of like John Randall. And his story, he just had this football life thing that that premiered just uh, just over a week ago, and it's amazing that you know you you just learn so much about these players that you never would have uh, never would have imagined as far as their background is concerned. It's got to be fascinating just to learn those things. Yeah, and there are a lot of guys that are not as giving of themselves with in terms of telling their story as Stephen was. I mean, he in terms of the time he gave us and and really the level of candor that he brought to it, I mean, that, I couldn't ask for anything more there. And his family was very much the same way. 
you know, you, you get certain guys that, that are going to be more that way and certain guys that don't really want to get into stuff outside of football. But, you know, he's pretty comfortable in his own skin. And I think, you know, wanted to just talk about, hey, this is who I am and these are the things I'm into. And, and I'm happy to talk about it. So, but it is interesting how many, and I said this a lot, that how many diverse backgrounds and guys with different interests you get in an NFL locker room. And the NFL does not do a great job of encouraging guys to be themselves. It's not a sport where you find out a lot because there's this culture of we have to just focus on football and we can't have any personalities that stick out. I mean, it's almost sort of this militaristic kind of vibe that they like to go for. But you do have a lot of guys in those locker rooms that have other interests, that have other passions, that are pretty interesting people. And, you know, for my money, and obviously I have have a, a dog in this fight because the more interesting players there are, the more there is for me to write about. But right. I do think that, especially as the NFL tries to find a way to connect with younger fans, it would help them if they let people see more of these guys' personalities. Because in, in the case of a guy like Stephen Weatherly, it's, it's pretty interesting, and he becomes a guy that you can root for pretty quickly. Speaking of guys with personalities, Stephon Diggs makes an impressive touchdown catch on Saturday going back to the game. Um, I was It's funny because with all the controversies about catches that we've seen over the course of this season, especially the last few weeks lately, uh, I was waiting for them to say that when Diggs got to the tunnel, he did not maintain control of the football. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, it is an incomplete pass because he caught it and then ran kind of all the way into the tunnel. But uh, great catch for him, and, and in, a, in a night where Adam Thielen probably isn't as much of a factor in the passing game, uh, Diggs stepped up big and, and got uh, five catches for the 60 yards and the touchdown. Yeah, it was funny because I think Mark Craig and I were joking about that after he made the catch, that you were going to expect him to come back and say, yeah, there was a, a stadium security worker in the tunnel that saw him juggle the ball on his way back <laughs> out, so we're, we're reviewing it, we're looking at the security footage, and we'll see if it was a catch, but yeah, I mean, a, a nice catch there, and probably not a bad idea to run up the tunnel so they can't <laughs> take a look at it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he really was the, the main target on Saturday night. That's really the first time in a while that we've seen him kind of be that. I mean, I think the Packers were devoting some extra attention. They were kind of rolling coverage toward Adam Thielen early. But Stephon Diggs has had some big days against the Packers. I mean, he, yeah. the best game of his career probably was in week two last year in that opener at U.S. Bank Stadium, and, and it seemed on Saturday night like the Vikings were trying to get him involved early, and, and it's good to, for them to have that because you've seen teams start to key more on Adam Thielen. It's good to kind of put that on tape to remind people, hey, we, we have a guy that's pretty good on the other side too, so if you're going to focus on Adam Thielen, it's going to be at your own peril to do it. So what sense are you getting in, in terms of the preparation for the Chicago game this week? It's the regular season finale Obviously, they've got the playoff spot and the division locked up, uh, but they still have to win this game against the Bears to assure that they'll have the first round bye. Of course, they could lose and still get it, depending on what happens with Carolina. But how, how does Mike Zimmer sort of weigh between you know making sure guys are healthy and making sure that they take care of business against the Bears on Sunday? You know, it, it'll be interesting to kind of hear what he has to say about that now, tomorrow, when he talks to the media again, given the fact that you, you pretty much know what's at stake here. But it, generally, he has said, as long as we are still trying to lock things up, the starters are going to play. And, and he, I think, has leaned more on the side of let's not take our foot off the gas in a lot of these situations. He hasn't been in one like this before, but they want that first round by. So, you know, I don't think that, they are going to let up and you know say too much about trying to 
rest guys because I, I think the focus for them is still let's do what we need to do to win the game and get the first round by. Now, you may be able to pull guys if you get up by enough in the second half to, you know, to give the guys some rest and maybe get Teddy Bridgewater in there for a little bit more of a look. But uh, other than that, I, I think they're going to pretty much play it normally, especially given the fact that everybody else that could win or lose to help them get a first round by if they lose to the Bears, all of those games are after where the Vikings play. So they will not be able to look at a scoreboard and say, well, we're, we're behind but or we're ahead, but you know this other game is working out the way we need to so we can start pulling starters. They will not have the luxury of that. So I'm, expect, I'm expecting they will go in there and basically say, let's take care of business and let's not leave it up to anybody else up on the south. Hey, Ben, um, you know, I'm – I'm 50 years old, so I'm old enough to have um, had my heart broken by this team a lot, and uh, I'm I'm about to get on the bandwagon. I think I'm I think I'm there. I'm gonna commit uh, to have hopefully not have my heart broken again. But um, what about the um, starting to hear you know coach of the year conversations? And I haven't heard your opinion about Zimmer as coach of the year. Share that with me. Well, there's going to be a, a pretty crowded field this year, whether yeah. it's him or Sean McVay in Los Angeles, Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Doug Marone and Jacksonville, I mean, you know, there's there's a, a pretty, you know, deep field for that award. But I, I think Mike Zimmer is certainly going to have a, a strong case for it, given the fact that they lost their quarterback, uh, they they lost their their running back, who looked like he was going to be the the focal point of the offense in Week Four. So the fact that they have been able to weather the, the loss of those two guys and develop an offense that went from being one of the NFL's worst to one of its best. With those two guys missing, it is a credit, I think, in a lot of ways to, well, I mean, in that part of it, it's the job Pat Shermer has done. But, you know, Mike Zimmer, I think, has, has had a good relationship with him, and that defense just continues to get better. So, and the fact that they have, have put together a 12 and 3 start without Sam Bradford, without Dalvin Cook, is going to get Mike Zimmer some votes. You know, I, I think, you know, Doug Peterson in Philadelphia is going to have a pretty strong case as well, and, and certainly Sean McVay. You know, so even in the NFC, there's a lot of guys that are going to maybe steal some votes from one another, and and it could go in any number of different ways. But Mike Zimmer certainly is going to have a strong case for that award. Well, it's nice to have. I mean, I I, I guess just as a as a guy that's about to get on the bandwagon here, I'm 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 proud that uh, our football team's doing well and our coach is in that conversation for Coach of the Year. Uh, hey, Ben. We're gonna uh, we're gonna let you go, but thanks for continuing our talk in purple. And uh, when we come back, Manny, I think I'd like to try to take some calls on the Minnesota Wild and wrap up with uh, some more hockey talk. That's six five one six four six eight two five five. Yeah. And do, did you have another number you wanted to throw out, or? Uh, if you happen to be listening outside of the metro area, you can give us a call eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Uh, but yes, six five one six four six eight two five five is the local number if you want to call in and uh, chime in with uh, the Minnesota Wild. If you got something to vent about, something yeah, I guess to be it could be of. it could be anything else too because we got you know Manny Hill is here, folks too. He can he can talk basketball and football if you want. But a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. we'll cut. We got you covered. So when we come back. We'll do that. Tom Chorsky sitting in on the ride with Rorsey. So, Tom Chorsky, I have a question for you in regards to the uh, aforementioned Minnesota Wild. Um, and, and I've kind of felt this way for a couple of years about this club that I, I think getting getting Parisi and Suter when they did was obviously, I think, terrific for the for the franchise. And I and I think it, 
They were brought in to sort of help take this franchise to the next level and make them a Stanley Cup contender. Um, but I've I've always said, even going back to that year where they where they signed those two guys, that okay, those are your two best guys at that time. But eventually, we need some of these younger guys to really sort of take over, sort of the you know the, the primary goal scoring and just. Whatever it is that they do well, we want those guys to eventually be the guys. And, you know, eventually Parisi and Suda, as they get older, they become sort of the veteran leaders, but they're not being relied upon so much to sort of carry the team. And my concern is that we just we just haven't really seen that yet from from these young guys. They've been good in spurts. I know Granlin had a really good year last year. Yeah. But, and, you know, he's been dealing with some injuries and stuff too, but I'm just waiting for one of these guys to really step up and become sort of a superstar caliber player. And we just haven't really seen it yet. Yeah. Well, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, when they got Parisi and Suter, it, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good match for the players because they wanted to, they were free agents. Right. Yeah. So, and they were interested in coming back and they even colluded, I think together and said, well, if you do it, I'll do it. And yep. if you do it, I'll do it. And, and so, it, that part worked out, and uh, and it certainly was good for the you know the f- the business side of things, right? It, Absolutely. And, and because what it did was it, it added some some marquee players, more marquee than we had at the time. We had you know Koivu as our captain, but he needed some he needed some supporting pieces to uh, and make the team a little more uh, marketable, if you will. And it did, right? It's because yep. we've seen them get a stadium game and they have been you know with Suter and Prezi on the team at least in the in the first uh, couple seasons they got more national uh, recognition and so if you're the owner of the team you go yeah I'm, uh, this is an expensive investment but if it raises the value of the franchise which it did but you're not asking about that you're asking about the chemistry of the team and the and the and the evolution of the team and you get those players. You get the maybe you know maybe the best uh, two way defenseman or you know best defensive defenseman for, for sure in in a certain way in Ryan Suter, very strong player, very yep. good. Maybe not the best, but in the top three conversation. Zach Parise, uh, you, you you're getting a guy who goes over the boards hard every single shift, and he he leads by example. Uh, and 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 it bring brought uh, again a little more marquee to the team. To your point, looking for other players to kind of step up, and that's that's Granlund, who I think, in his defense, has evolved um, well enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then guys like Charlie Coyle, who hasn't gotten there yet or hasn't quite evolved enough. Jason Zucker, um, okay, coming along is it, you know, but now right now it doesn't seem like he's going to add on to last year. Last year, very good. Um, but he's certainly not aging and losing his skills, nor right. is Coyle. So, and Coyle's not bad by any stretch. He's no. very versatile. He can play center. He can play wing. He protects the puck. He has good hands, and he can go scoring in spurts. And you know, at the end of the day, we just hope that this team can get on track and start finishing the regular season strong, and and then go deeper in the playoffs than they have. Uh, the other factor that when you went and got Parisi and Suter that you weren't factoring on was expansion, right? And yeah. and then even when expansion came and left, um, I think when it was all said and done, you thought, well, we, you know, yeah, we we uh, lost um, Haula, who was a third line center, but now looking back, it's like he was a pretty 
quality third line center. Are they Again, missing him? Versatile, fast, um, could shut a guy down or play good defensively. Killed some penalties, took some, uh, and so was more versatile maybe than uh, some of the players we replaced him with that are killing penalties like Winnick. And then um, for cap space purposes the deal with Buffalo was made. And so Pominville goes away yeah. and Scandella goes away. And and both those guys, you think, yeah, they're good, but I think we can live without them. Now in hindsight, you start to see what they you know what they were, not what they were not. And sometimes I would look at Pominville and be like, yeah, I know he's he's got a great shot and he seems to find the back of the net and he scores in bunches. But, you know, he, he he's otherwise he's not that uh, imposing. He's not a big guy. He's not going to scare any defenseman or he's not going to knock anyone down and blah, blah, blah. But he was really responsible defensively. And I've heard Boudreaux, you know, kind of almost talk like he misses that. He goes, you know, he was always good for 15 goals and I could count on him defensively. Okay. Well, um, and Scandella, you know, he wasn't your top two pairing and, but all of a sudden he looks pretty good because he could skate and he had some size and strength and he was a pretty good first pass guy to break the, break the team out of the defensive zone. Yeah. And you lost Howla and now you lost Alex Tuck, who was a, who was a prospect and he's starting to be something in Las Vegas. Uh, he's, and he was a, a, one of our first round picks. Mm-hmm. So Chuck Fletcher, you know, didn't see all that coming and, and you can't, but um, there's, there's a lot of factors that that come into play here, I guess. Yeah, because I I just I, I'm waiting for and and I like all of these guys. I like yeah. Nina Ryder. I like yeah, Landland. Nino's I good. like Charlie Coyle. But I'm just I'm waiting for one of those guys to <laughs> sort of just you and everyone come up. else. But yeah, I, like I I just want. Does anyone all... want to call in and talk about this? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they because I I I know that they're good players and I know that they've all been able to contribute. But I'm just waiting for one of them because I feel like. They're in a position, and they and they have been in this position for the last handful of years, where they're going to be in the playoffs every year. But I'm just waiting for one of those young guys to sort of take an, another step forward because I feel like that's going to be the difference between them making a run to the Stanley Cup Finals or not. Yeah, and the next, you know, and this is it's no secret, but when they make it to the playoffs and they get to the second round, you know that actually, and then they lose uh, that. That's hurtful from a drafting standpoint, right? Yeah. Because they're good but not great. Uh, they end up drafting middle rounds, and they don't get that special player inside. And they've of the top never. 10. And they've, as a franchise, and this is, this is a credit to them. They've never really had. I mean, the Wolves, as a guy who's followed the Wolves for a quarter century right. since I was a little kid, they've been in the NBA draft lottery like so many times that you just you just lose track. You know, save for the KG years. Uh, so they've had so many opportunities with high draft picks and you know the last couple of years they with Towns and Wiggins and they've been able to get uh draft some young talented guys but the wild because they've never really had that that two or three year stretch where they sort of bottom out and they're at the bottom of the division they get those high draft picks right. they've never really had that and i wonder if that has also sort of prevented them from getting you know like with what Edmonton has with with Connor McDavid or you know with Buffalo right. as with Jack Eichel maybe or, or well, something Pittsburgh like that. Well, Pittsburgh Penguins went Pittsburgh through some lean years Crosby and, and they got Crosby and Malkin and and uh, Mark, Mark Andre Fleury and Chicago went through lean years and they end up with Patrick Taves and and uh, or uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. So yeah. there's no question that's the formula. Now they can't do that. Now. I don't that's like the only I don't thing. like to talk negative and because I cover the team, but you know this is a team right now that's hanging in the balance and yeah. if Zach Parisi can't come back and they continue to have injuries 
Um, or, or for some reason, Dubnik doesn't kind of get on track. Not that he's off track, but he's hurt right now. And he's, you know, goalies, it's a relationship with how well your team is playing too. And the goalies are facing more shots uh, per game than they have in the past. So, you know, the wild have some, some figuring out to do there in front of Dubnik. But if, if this team doesn't get on track and it becomes pretty apparent, you know, I got to think Chuck Fletcher has to be having a contingency plan and it might include trying to deplete the team and get the cap back down. And, and and, and that's that's a conversation behind the scenes that Chuck Fletcher has with his boss and the owner and the owner has to date never expressed an interest in doing that. I mean, he came in and that's why he got Parisi and that's where he got Suter. And, and as we've gotten, further into the years with him, he said, look, it's Stanley Cup or bust, which yeah. that's a great philosophy. And and he can always come back out and say it just doesn't make sense from from a hockey operations and a business standpoint. So, But uh, I do think, I guess if I was a GM and if I was Chuck Fletcher or any GM in, in this situation, knowing that and the situation that this team is in right now, um, it's got to be something that is – is a possibility. And I don't know all the takers there are for the team and how far down do you, um, I I don't like say blow the team up, but you know, how do you um, strategically reduce this team from what they are now to make a, a, a go through a building phase? Yeah. And, and it's tough because you do have these, you do have the Gremlins and the Nita Riders and right, some the really Zookers. good, you got good some young players. These guys young aren't players. old. They're right. young. They're, so this isn't this isn't a team that is just completely constructed of old a players. Whole, where you yeah. say, okay, now it's time to just tear this thing yeah. down and blow it up. No. But they're they're just kind of in that tough spot. They got to step it up. Some of these guys. Yeah, they're they're tight. They're they're tight up against the cap. And so it, it's kind of like these are the guys that you have, and you just need the you need right. some of these younger guys to just take it up to that <laughs> next level, man. Because I know I I feel like it's there, but you're just kind of waiting for them to do it. Yeah, and right now, to be fair, we're back to well, this season got off to an odd start with a lot with of injuries, injuries. Right, they yeah. had three key guys out right away, uh, and then and then they started to get back. With Coyle came back, and Nina Ryder came back, and then at one point they went on a nice run at three straight shutouts. Uh, and it looked like Dubnik, you know, and the team was was back. And then they hit a little bump in the road, and and then they went back out west, a, a, a tough swing out to California, and they, they had a nice run, winning some games in overtime and in shootouts against um, Anaheim and the, and the Sharks. And so it's been a it's a, it's been a case of um, starts and stops, or yeah. you know, two steps up, one step back, and some of it's been inconsistency, and some of it's been injuries, and and a combination of things. So. You know they can, they can kind of they're biding their time a little bit right now with that yeah. and still with injuries. But it looks like Dubnik will be back uh, probably uh, in the new year pretty quickly, I think. And and Parisi's been skating for a while now, but they have to. He I'm sure has a pretty specific plan for his back to come back. And so uh, they play, uh, they play the Dallas Stars tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we can. Can analyze that game a little bit, but more importantly, um, were you were, were you by chance one of these? I get a lot of people that walk up to me, and um, or if they're casual fans, or they'll say I was a fan of the North Stars, but when they left for Dallas, it just spoiled. What is that about sports fans or hockey fans that <laughs> it just put a sour taste in their mouth, and now they can't even bring themselves to cheer for the Wild because they like the North Stars, but the North Stars left. 
<laughs> Judd Zolgad. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I love Judd. I, no, it's I, okay. It's funny. Um, Chirp him. No, I, you know what? I was, they left in 93. I was nine years old. I probably got into the NHL when I was about 10. So about yeah. a year or so after they moved to Dallas. So you knew not, you didn't really know much. So I don't that. really have a lot. Of, I kind of vaguely remember the cup final run in 91, uh, but I was like seven. So I, I don't really remember it that much. Um, so as a, as a kid, cause I can't, but you know, sports fans and you work at like, yeah. as a guy, I just love hockey. So as soon as hockey came back, I was, I, I couldn't believe it was yeah. gone for 10 years, but that was me too. Like I, I growing up when I started like getting into the NHL, I, I became sort of a, sort of a closet Tampa Bay lightning fan because okay. as a 10 year old kid, we had no NHL team here yeah, anymore. And lightning seems cool. Yeah. And the lightning and, you know, Chris <laughs> Gratton and, and, uh, you know, Darren Poopa. Well, you were probably guys. following yeah. their basketball team at the time too, because the magic were good. No. Yeah. I mean, Orlando, yeah, that was that's kind Shaq of there, and yeah. yeah, Shaq and Penny Hardaway and those yeah. guys right around that same time. But like Chris Gratton was like one of my favorite players yeah, as yeah, a kid. He's and, kind of a big tough guy. And so, and so when the when the Lightning won the cup in in 04, you know, I was happy cuz you know yeah. Marty St. Louis and those guys. Um but when the Wild came into existence, I was like this is this is great and that's so for me the Wild they you didn't, are you didn't my have NHL that team. Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. really experience the the heartbreak of the North Stars. I remember it's bitterness. I kind of remember when it happened but I wasn't really like into the NHL yet. Um so yeah, I mean it it was uh it was an interesting uh interesting experience for me back then. Well, we're we're a decade into it now or a little bit more, but uh yeah, it's crazy to think that hockey was gone from Minnesota for it's, for about it's a, a shame. It never it never should have it never should have left. So. Well, we will uh we'll come back and try and put a bow on this thing and and finalize some thoughts about the Minnesota Wild. If uh you want to give us a shout, maybe one last chance, 651-646-8255. We might be able to take a call or two. Otherwise, uh, we'll wrap this up ourselves, Manny. All right. We'll be back. So, Tom Chorsky, we got a uh, call from Jeff in Edina during the break there. And uh, we're, of course, running a little short on time here, so we won't be able to get him on. But he wanted me to pass along that he feels the Minnesota Wild last year, they kind of overachieved. And I think he, he says... Uh, that what they what we're seeing this year is kind of the reality of uh, what this club really is. We saw uptick in offense from Grandland and and Koivu and and um, Zucker and those guys. Maybe Koivu is maybe top ticked up, top top, top ticked, whatever. And yeah. these other guys are younger, and you're hoping that this was the start of something. So it remains to be seen, but I think it's a fair it's a fair comment, and I think it's not. Um, uncommon to be hear, hearing that out in the community. So people are wondering, did they overachieve or is this what they are? We're going to start finding out if they've got it together after the break here. They take on the North Stars tomorrow night. But uh, Manny, thanks for uh, helping me out again today. It's been Tom Chorsky in for Patrick Royce on the ride with Royce. See ya. All right, man. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota. 
so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.